primary care knowledge boost, enhancing leadership skills, why knowing ourselves matters. Welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Today we're speaking to Dr. Amar Raghani again. He's a retired GP and a massive advocate for learning about leadership in primary care. We spoke to him on a previous episode about the bigger picture for leadership and why we should care. And there's some really interesting tips in there too. Today we take more of a dive into the specifics around getting to know ourselves and how this can be used both in new leadership as well as in our everyday lives. Yeah, um, we talk about um, how finding out what drives and inspires us will energise us Mm. and why being our authentic selves and not trying to fit in can make for better leaders um, and how understanding how others look at us is also important. Um, We go over how playing to your strengths is the way forward in leadership, but how we also need to know our limits and, and work with other types of key players to achieve our goals. Yeah. And like we said in the introduction for our last recording with Amar, um, it's a nice episode to kind of have a cup of tea with or bring on a walk um, because it puts you in a very contemplative place. So enjoy. Um, So we're back um, with with you, Amar, today. So you have introduced yourself before for all of our listeners. But would you like to just give another brief introduction so that people who haven't heard it before know who you are? Yes, of course. So my name is Amar Raghani. Um, I'm an ex-GP just a couple of years ago. I retired from a career that, that meant everything to me. I was a GP in Sheffield, in North Sheffield, there for about 30 years or so. And I was also involved in medical education. And as we explored in the last uh, podcast, um, I developed a fascination for the potential of leadership in my later years as an educator. And that's what I've been writing about and um, teaching on for the last few years. So yes, that leads us on nicely into today where we are kind of going through leadership skills and how they can help us improve in our career and our our life in general. Um, And today we're particularly thinking about getting to know ourselves and how that can actually make us better leaders. So um, do you want to start Amar by maybe explaining why getting to know ourselves can help in terms of leadership? So as we discussed last time, we're actually talking about life skills. Leadership skills are life skills, you know, put in another way. And we were talking about how we do things collaboratively and through other people. Um, we don't do it by controlling others. We do it by involving others and so on. And that's because of the nature of the problems that we have to deal with. So what I'm saying is we need people. We need people when we're making change because people they identify where the problems are, they come up with ideas, they get involved in identifying potential solutions. And of course, they're the people who do the work. They're the people who actually make the change happen. And we hope when things improve that they will be also be the people who make it stick. So all of those things require us to work with people in a way that um, means that they give themselves willingly. They are willing to cooperate, collaborate, offer their thoughts and ideas which means that if we're going to achieve that sort of connection with people, we do it through our influence. So influence is not a word that people like, and I think that's good, because actually influence, if it's overdone, can be manipulation, and we need to be careful about that. But having said that, we have influence, and if you think about it, you can't not have influence. And it's not just leaders having influence on other people, it's all of us having influence on each other. So when I say or when we say we're learning about ourselves, we can't learn about ourselves in isolation of other people because we're involved in that dialogue all the time. 
it actually it, it shows that actually we we learn about ourselves through others. Um, we learn about other people through ourselves. It works both ways. Stephen Covey wrote a very famous book on the habits of highly effective people. Wrote about you know seek first to understand and then to be understood. So he was also intimating that this dialogue involves the whole process of trying to understand how other people might receive a message or um, or what you might make of what they have to say and so on. Um, so knowing kind of the the why um, behind the episode today, do you want to talk us through? kind of the how, how do we get to know ourselves better? Well, that's a huge question. So there are literally thousands of books written about, particularly personality, you know, aspects of being. And what we've done is to, to read a fair amount and obviously from our experience look through that. But we've come up with a number of areas that, that we think are significant as leaders in primary care. So I think the first thing I'd say is that that actually we are at our most effective when we allow ourselves to be ourselves and not someone else, not an image that's put upon us, not a set of expectations that people have on us. And that sounds fine. It's far harder to do in practice than you might think because just the temptation and, if you like, the expectation to be a certain way or even the sort of more subtle things like seeing effective leaders and, if you like, using them as role models and trying to copy the way they do it yeah? So I'm going to reinforce that what we're talking about today is about how we learn to both be ourselves and more importantly, to give ourselves permission to be ourselves. And that includes warts and all. And with that huge area that could be relevant to how we are, we immediately recognise that, that actually we can't cover them all. We're going to try and encapsulate this by suggesting that there are a number of jigsaw pieces, five of them, and these jigsaw pieces do not fit together, and they're not equal size. So you will not get the whole picture of how to be as a person. So please don't regard these as being all inclusive. What these pieces do between them, they talk about our energy and our drive, you know, what it is that, that energises us and makes us want to do stuff. They talk about how we connect with people, what is it that encourages people to have confidence in us, to want to connect to us? That's important because we'll often be working in a couple of ways. We're not going to be working with people who are officially part of the same organisation. And sometimes we have sort of influence or even power over that. Maybe, you know, they are our employees, for example. But we also work across communities, across different organisations, across different disciplines. And the work we do there is collaborative to try and make a change across a wider community. And there, we need to connect with people who we don't have authority and power over, but we might have common cause. So that's what the pieces between them are going to help us to understand. So I think maybe a good next step would be to talk through some of those jigsaw pieces that might help us get to know ourselves and therefore be better leaders. Uh, would, would that be okay? Yes, absolutely. So the, the first piece is called Reach Higher and Dig Deeper. It's, it's, I, I think for all of us, it's helpful to recognize that there are things that inspire us. There are things that make us feel, I really want to do something about this. And we can call that inspiration, if you like. You know, when we listen to people talking about certain things, when we come across ideas, topics, movements, these are some of the things that, that sometimes make us feel energized. We feel, we feel ourselves 
full of energy and something we can't contain, something that we want to do something about. So, for example, there are a lot of people who get moved by a sense of injustice. Yeah. So if they feel that, you know, there's a wrong here that needs writing, they feel moved by that and they want to do something about that. And that matters a lot in healthcare. It matters, you know, when people are suffering in ways that we can prevent. And at the heart of it, they're connected to each other because they feel this is wrong. This shouldn't happen. They are inspired, in other words, yeah? But if you like, for each of us, just be sensitive to what inspires you. Be sensitive to what it is that make you, makes you think, this is something, something that inspires me and moves me and I want to be part of. That will help you to identify where you can make your difference and the sort of things that get the best out of you. And if you like, your responsibility, in quotes, is to recognise that and make use of that in your life. If it moves you to that degree, don't ignore it. Make use of it, which may mean that you change what you do, you know, in terms of what you spend your time doing. Yeah, that's a really powerful idea. Um, the idea of remembering to think about things that make you feel energised and that you're passionate about and not losing sight of your drives. Um, I'm just thinking about once when we have worked out what, what energizes us, how do we perhaps manage the resistance or challenges to the changes that we then want to make? So and we talked about this in our first podcast. There, there's a culture that you're part of. That culture may, on the face of it, say, this doesn't appear to be particularly important to us. Don't let it lie there. You know, Raise it and see whether it actually other people feel similarly. Sometimes you'll feel this needs to change, you know, even if people don't agree. It needs to change and we need to do something. And if you're going to do something with it, then one facet that we need to consider is that making change is difficult. Um, and the hardest part is actually just being persistent with that idea. So you may encourage and energize other people based on your own energy, but actually seeing it through day by day, you know, people become apathetic. They've got other things to do. It isn't what moves them particularly, although it moves you. So you're going to have to keep the momentum going. And for that, you need to dig deeper. So that's the other part of the first jigsaw piece. Reach higher, which we've talked about, but also dig deeper, which means that there are times when you get stuck when you'll need to do what it takes to just keep things moving. Explicitly around that, because we're talking about, well, how do we do this? What do we do? How can we keep it going when we meet resistance? Well, firstly, look up. So remind yourself of what you're inspired by, your why, you know, why are you doing this? And remind the people you're with. Looking forward and backward means, well, to keep going, I need to remind myself that I don't always expect myself to succeed. So I'm moving forward. But moving forward is always an experiment. You know, I try something, we try something. It may work, it may not. But we learn something from that and we fashion what we do to do better the next time. You know, tell yourself it's an experiment. Be forgiving of yourself when things don't go completely right because they won't. Recognize that you're being courageous by taking that step. Looking back means what are the things that are holding you back? Negativity, let me call it negativity. You can take so much negativity and part of it is helpful because it helps you to be realistic, if you like. But actually, if you listen to too much negativity, you'd never move forward at all. So cutting yourself away from negativity and sometimes negative people can be a help in allowing you to maintain momentum. And also, you know, don't be negative about yourself. If things have gone wrong in the past, yeah, learn from it, but also remind yourself that Sometimes it wasn't just you, it was the context, you know, it was maybe a lack of resources, you know, you didn't get support or whatever. 
Looking down means use your support. We all have a safety net of people who look out for us, look over us, people that, that have our back. Those people we can discuss things with, they are all an immense support when things are going wrong or going badly. And I would say that leaders support each other. So use your support, but also be a support. So those four mechanisms, up, down, and forwards and backwards, help us to keep the momentum. So now that we've found out what drives us and how to manage some of the challenges that we might face when we're trying to change things, how can we make people also feel inspired or confident in what we're trying to do as leaders? The next jigsaw piece is about inspiring confidence and connection. What we mean by that is that you know, we're, we're trying, we're hoping that people will want to collaborate with us. So to do that, they have to have confidence. And the confidence that they have in us is down to a couple of areas that we've identified. One is to do with how we are as people, and the other is to do with our competence. There are things about the way another person is with us that make us feel like I would have confidence in them. So because we are working in healthcare, we're working in um, a community in which our ethics and our values matter a lot. So for our community, it does matter that we are clear about our values, that we value our values, that we're open with people, that we try to be honest with people, that we try to keep our promises. I think that those things connect us. And if you don't believe that, ask yourself, how would I feel if somebody wasn't like that? Would I have confidence in them? Probably not. The next is about being what I'd call genuine, you know, being, being a genuine person, meaning, for example, not saying one thing and doing another, you know. But I think not trying to be what you're not, not expecting something of other people that you would not expect for from yourself, not trying to put on a facade, those things are important. One of the important ways is by admitting to the fact that we are all vulnerable. We can I did it too, you can believe that actually it's important to give confidence to other people to, if you like, show strength, you know, show a degree of a lack of vulnerability, if you want to put it that way. But actually, that doesn't connect us to people. In fact, quite the opposite. It's all a matter of degree, of course. But actually, people who are able to expose their vulnerability make a big difference to how people see them um, and how they connect because people feel this person is genuine. And also, you know, if you're part of the community that you're leading, you are in effect giving people permission to be vulnerable. To give you a, a brief example, I know a, a woman who was brought into a, a receptionist team from another practice, and she uh, was somebody with very dynamic, with lots of ideas and so on, but a lot of very good ideas as well. And she came into the team and she, again, you know, saw what was going on and brought some ideas in, and she found herself just not connecting very well with the team. And good on her, she, she eventually thought, you know, this, this isn't good and I need to find out why. So she went through that very difficult process of, of trying to find out from people how things were and how she was coming across and why things weren't working. That's a very hard thing to do. If you like, she, she had confessed to vulnerability to herself, if you see what I mean. She then came to the group and said, look, things aren't going well and well, I'm going to try and change. But look, I'm not good at it. It's not something I'm used to doing. So I'm going to try, but I am going to get it wrong, probably. And when I do, please help me to be better and please forgive me whilst I'm trying. And actually, it was that admission of vulnerability that really connected with people. They felt that she was honest enough to say something 
and to evolve them. So that's just a little example of how vulnerability can really make a difference to the way that people connect with you. The second thing that gives people confidence is your ability. So it's different but related. And if you think about it, if you're a decent person but you're incompetent, things aren't going to move forward in a good way, really, are they? So we need to be competent with regard to how we engage with people because leadership is mainly a people thing. We also need to be competent with the task. We've got to be able to deliver on things, you know, which, in, which involves strategy, planning, organising and so on. So both of those things are important and you need to be competent at them both. So if you were somebody who actually wasn't, you were a good person, but actually you weren't particularly skilled at communicating with people or you weren't able to deliver, then actually, yeah, I might like you, but I wouldn't have confidence in you. So ability is the other key area um, of helping people to feel confident with us. And the second area of this um, this jigsaw piece was connecting, so connecting to people. And that's mostly about for, for people to feel this person, this leader, is actually bothered about me, they respect me. So none of these things are easy, I'm afraid, and they take you know years to work through. The first one I want to mention is reducing the status gap. One thing I do is reverse mentoring, so being mentored by somebody who is much junior. Another, in terms of connecting with people, is just ridding yourself of those unhelpful biases, you know? We're judging people all the time. We're making assumptions about people all the time. And that is inevitable because we have to. It's the brain's way of shortcutting the many, many, many decisions that we make that go on every time we meet and connect with people. But thinking about which of those biases are significant and significantly unhelpful, that, you know, is a long-term journey. Yeah. So those are just some ways, practical ways, in which we can people feel that they want to connect better with you. So I guess once we've um, we've kind of recognised then what inspires us and, and we've gone through that process of looking at how we can improve other people's confidence in ourselves, um, where, where do we go next and what else can we do? The, the next piece or area that we can look at is an area that we call play to your strengths. So I'm saying that because, you know, we're used to doing exams Proving our performance and an appraisal, spending quite a bit of time thinking on, you know, how could we do that better? How could I avoid making that mistake? And so on. And that's okay. But there's an, there's an enormous body of evidence that suggests that actually it, it transpires that actually when people identify what their strengths are and play to them, in other words, use them explicitly and deliberately in their lives, then we have, a, we have hugely more to gain from what they have to give. Now, I suppose a caveat here is that you can't be incompetent, yeah? So as medics, for example, or anyone in a professional role, we all have things that we have to do well enough, if you like, yeah, so that we don't cause harm. So I'm saying very clearly, yeah, your weaknesses are fine, but they can't be at the level of incompetence, yeah? But beyond that, play to your strengths. So we have four areas in which we can identify where our strengths lie. So the first is your drives, which we've touched on already. What are you driven by? At the same time, it's useful to think about the opposite. Now, here's an interesting thought. Our drives aren't just the things that energise us. Our drives are partly very deep-rooted. Abraham Maslow, you know, in the hierarchy of human need, which a lot of people know something about. I'm going to touch upon William Glass's model. He talks about four things that he thinks we all need. We all need fun. We all need love, we all need freedom, and we all need power. 
Yeah. What they're getting at there is that we need all four of those things, and we need them frequently enough, which means they can't be too far away in time or place for us to access them. I was going to show you my diary, but that doesn't work very well on the podcast, does it? So, <laughs> but to give you an example, I color code my diary so that the work stuff is in one color, but fun stuff is in yellow. Putting it, putting it in your diary means that it reminds me to put the fun stuff in frequently enough to make sure I make sure that I have fun yeah. and I make sure I don't go too long. Here's another interesting thing. These four things, they're things that need to be satisfied frequently. And if you like, we can almost divide our life, I know it's artificial, into work and home. If we don't do enough of it in one context, we will put the burden on the other context, you know, to deliver, if that makes sense. For example, if we don't have enough of a sense of autonomy, which is one form of power at home, if we don't have enough of that at home, we're likely to, to seek it elsewhere. And that might come out in inappropriate ways. So at work, you may find that actually you insist upon power, you insist upon freedom in a way that is that is actually deleterious to your joint effort. You know, Does that make sense? It's a really interesting way of kind of thinking about the way people are at work as well or at home. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting concept, yeah. Um, that's also your drive. So when I'm saying, you know, identify what your drives are, think about those all those things. Think about, are they being satisfied to the degree that I need them? And there's no absolute level. It'll be different for each of us. And it'll be different at different times. So you've you've talked about drives there as part of playing to our strengths, um, but you also alluded to there being some other bits involved when we're trying to play to our strengths. Can you talk a little bit more about those? Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about our strengths, skills, I think, is not a really important one. And we aren't equally skilled in all areas. Now, trying to identify what those areas are is a difficult thing. You know, you could produce a vastly long list. But I came across a really powerful model called The Primary Colours of Leadership by Furnham and Pendleton. And they basically talk about three colours, green, red and blue. So they talk about People who are principally, because we have all three, principally head people, principally heart people, and principally hands people in terms of their skills. So skills is like, you know, what you do well, what you are fluent in, you know, areas in which you might even say, I'm talented with this. Or you might feel that when there's a problem, this is immediately what I start thinking about. So just to take that thought forward, green people, when they're presented with a problem, will instinctively think about, oh, what does this mean? What are the elements of this? What do I make of it? So they're thinking a lot. Green, also because it's head stuff, will also incorporate that really interesting idea of dreaming, visioning, imagining. Okay, that's all head stuff. So that's green. If you're a red person, your principal talent or thought, it'll be around the people. It'll be around well, here's a problem. What's it going to mean to me, my community, a particular person, my relative? If it happens, what might be the implication for them, how they work, how they live their lives? They're thinking about all those aspects, yeah? Blue people will principally think about the practicalities, you know, they're sort of hands-on people. Okay, how can I organize this? I can take that idea and run with it, and they're desperate to run with it. So, you know, how do I convert that into action? Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you know, if we three of us are here, I'm just interested with that very quick thumbnail. Do you recognize yourself as being 
principally one. You will have all three. I'm not saying you don't do the others as well. But which one do you immediately align yourself with? How, how about you, Sarah? What do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely the uh, the red person, I would say. You're the red person. Okay, do you agree with that? <laughs> I am nodding, yep. <laughs> okay, uh, that's really interesting. People person, led by heart, very much about kind of how it affects others and each other and yeah, that, that kind of very much sort of building relationships and um, and that sustaining you, definitely being at the focus. And and Lisa's really interesting. I, I had you pegged as both green and blue as, as kind of, I mean, all of them, like you say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What? I, I'm definitely the hand, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> How do I do this? How do I make it happen? Well, do you know, that's... <laughs> So interestingly, now, do you, do you both energise thinking that's me? Do you recognise yourself in that and think, oh, yeah, that's really important? Yeah, yeah, especially that connection of kind of using people in your team to, to sort of have, have people whose strengths are yeah. sort of, um, complementary. Yeah, complementary. So why don't we move on to that? Because we could bring in the idea, there's another piece which we won't go into great detail today, but it's called Use Your Limits. So here are some, you know, let's share a couple of insights to this. So interestingly, between us, we are all three colours because I'm green. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because which won't be a surprise to anyone because I am I am a dreamer. Now, notice I don't think you are any better than, 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 than the other two, but I absolutely recognise that we need all three. I also recognise so the fact that we are complementary. So as leaders, recognising that allows you to bring in the colours that you're missing okay, in a team, because you need all three. And that applies to project teams as well. If you're lacking any one of them, you are really missing out, because you're missing out, missing out on somebody who instinctively, naturally, and in a talented way will go for that, yeah? If you're trying to find out what am I, you two already knew what you were. If you have any doubt over that, ask people, what am I the go-to person for? And it's likely that if you ask enough of them, you'll get a triangulation. They will confirm either what you already know about yourself or that, you know, maybe your second strongest colour, if I can put it that way. So if the first thought is we are complementary, we need all three colours. The second thought is that we can all play to our strengths. So if I brought you into the team, I would be bringing you in because between us will be fantastic. It also means that I don't have to work so much in red or blue, yeah? But you can because those are your strengths. So all three of us can play to our strengths. And if you look to the number of people who are in the wrong role within their practices, yeah, they're actually being shoehorned into a blue box when actually they're a red person. That makes a huge difference to them using their positive influence, them playing to their strengths. So you can get a feel for how much misapplied talent there is. And then the third thing I draw out is that it gives you an insight into people who really, and I can't swear on air, but people who really hack you off. If I could take Lisa as an example, Lisa is not someone who hacks me off. But I've come across people who are very strong in blue, who hack me off, and I definitely hack them off. So what I mean by that is that whilst I'm dreaming about the future, they are thinking about the practicalities of how do we get this done. So what hacks me off is I just want five minutes so we can dream a bit together, you know, and have that conversation, not close it down too much. They're hacked off because actually dreaming, imagining, thinking gets you nowhere in their, in their book. You know, we'll never achieve anything if we carry on with that. But once we understand that actually we are complementary colours when we need all three, then we not only stop getting hacked off with each other, 
that I purposefully go out and look for somebody like Lisa and, and say, well, I know I'm strong in, strongest in green and pretty strong in red, but I need to make the best friend of somebody who's strong in blue because that's going to help both of us, you know, going forward. So those three things, you know, I take away from the primary colours of leadership, but it's a really powerful way of getting people to identify a strength and to give themselves permission to work with their strength, to give up more of their time to do that. It's a really lovely structure to think about the skill set and the strengths. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to kind of end things, um, do you have a, a couple of points that you just want the listeners to, to take away from today to be the big points to remember? Absolutely. So there's been a lot of information in that. And I mean, some of it's fairly dry. I think for me, this keeps coming back. Give yourself permission to be yourself. So as you find out more about who you are, give yourself permission, not because it's an indulgence, but because we absolutely need you to be your unique self. What you are driven by, what you are skilled at, that's something that no one else can do for our community. If you don't do it, I won't know that because I'm not you and I can't do it for you. My last point is that once you're getting your head around the importance of doing that and doing the difficult things like giving up stuff that doesn't play to your strengths, that isn't making the best use of you, and that might involve career choices, by the way, not taking up things that are offered to you just because they're offered to you, but actually saying, no, this is not my strength. And remember that our duty as leaders is to help everyone else to be their best selves, okay? So, for example, as employers, moving them from a position where they're doing fine to a position where they may do amazingly, okay? Because actually we've understood what their strengths are. So be yourself and help everyone else to be themselves. What a lovely way to end. (laughs) Thank you so much, Amara. Pleasure. That was brilliant. Thank you. So that was amazing. Um, And what did you take away from that chat, Lisa? Well, I've got a few things written down. um, But um, I think from the beginning, um, it was just that real powerful kind of thought about being yourself, not being scared to be yourself, um, that just don't try and fit in. You're okay as you are. Um, And it's just kind of empowering to be told that, I think. So I, I enjoyed that little bit of chat. Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. Definitely. I think... It, it is empowering. It's lovely. It's sort of accepting yourself and kind of trusting that other people will respond to that. Um, we all kind of know when people are talking from the heart and yeah. when things matter that, to them. So um, I completely agree with that p- whole point. And I really liked when he talked about not being afraid to be vulnerable. So if you're new to it, then yeah, not being afraid to say that and people will kind of will bolster you on. What else you got? What else have I got? So, um, I, the, there's two other bits that I've written down. One is the, um, being, to really recognize what inspires you. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, to not be afraid if the other people around you don't necessarily also find that inspiring, um, to be the one that speaks up because, um, it's important to kind of, again, it's to know what drives you, to know what inspires you. And then you're going to do your best work when you're kind of an advocate for that um so i thought that was really important and then the second bit was just all about that primary colors of leadership because i absolutely love that um and i just whenever um he talks about it i i can just you can recognize that the difference between me and you um and how that's kind of formed what we our roles that we've taken on in the background of the podcast um and and it also made me think that uh, my my husband is definitely green he's definitely a head man and i think some of the discussions we have are definitely because 
because he's head and I'm hands um, and it's just it makes it so interesting when you think about it and it just puts it puts other people in a better perspective I think for me yeah yeah it's some some um, frameworks are really you can run with them really quickly like Belbin's roles are a little bit trickier uh, yeah. Whereas the kind of the three kind of colours, head, hands, hearts, um, it's it's a it's very quick and it is quite recognisable in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you'd like to get in touch with us um, for any reason, you can do. You can email us at primarycarepodcasts at gmail dot com, or you can tweet us, and our Twitter handle is at pckb podcast. And we've also got a survey that you can use. Um, it's a more anonymous way of getting in touch with us. It takes about a minute and we'll put the link in the episode description for you. Um, and thank you to everybody that gets in touch with us um, anyway, normally. Um, it's lovely to hear from um, listeners and, and to know what you're all thinking about this. So please keep doing it. Yeah, thank you. Till next time. On Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. This was recorded in Greater Manchester in 2021. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode. 